there are people coming in and out of the building, and and <clears throat> uh, you know they don't all look you know homeless as you would say. Scare they, quotes because they they're not they're, homeless, you right, idiot. They're, they're housed. Yeah. <laughs> but one, fucking idiot. Yeah. Hey, who's here? Who's here? Well, hello. You gonna introduce Isaac, or? Yeah, sure. Okay. We have Brad Robinson here. Hi, I'm Brad Robinson. <laughs> hello, Brad hello, Robinson. Brother. Uh, yeah. And we're here to discuss an episode that has been coming for a very long time. We've had many listeners. Uh, seriously, write in and ask us to do a homelessness episode. And most recently, after our highly offensive episode entitled NYC Sucks, Still Sucks, Yes, uh, we had a couple people mention that they would like to do that. And then even before that, we had people ask. Yeah, we've talked about it a few times. Yeah, so we're here finally to do it, and we're doing it right for once because Brad is actually a real authority. So why are you a real authority on homelessness? Oh, so we're going to get serious right out the gate. Yeah. Okay, that's well, fine. Let's well, just establish. Let's just, why don't we just jump right in? <laughs> um, again, I work for an organization called Skid Row Housing Trust. I am the Director of Corporate Relations and Innovation. So my primary focus and day-to-day is to bring awareness of the work that we're doing with our 28 properties and over 1,800 formerly homeless housed with a housing-first model. We also are harm reduction, which we can get into more, which is... Puts us a little bit on a controversial bubble a lot of times, um, but mainly I work, as we're kind of talking on the ride over here, is working with different types of organizations to find some sort of synergy where the work that we're doing would align with their brand or their mission, and they can also help us, whether it's through fundraising or awareness bringing, to get the message out, right, right, right. to get the message out. Right. Was, yeah. was I too far away? A little, from, little too, too far. far. Yeah, yeah. I'll come closer. Thank you. Is it? That's good. Is it, is it close? No, it's just it, great. Is it great? <laughs> I'm 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 looking deep into Isaac's eyes <laughs> during this process. It's hard to do. Very I admire cool. you for it. I try not to make eye contact feel, ever. <laughs> I don't feel very good about it, but I, <laughs> no, you're just looking into empty dark windows. Empty. <laughs> just it's like empty right into the pits. abyss. <laughs> and it does look back. It's weird. Yeah. It does look back. Very unpleasant. I had a I had this room set up originally so I didn't ever have to look at Isaac. Yeah. But we, yeah. It's actually true. So you really did. You're like, I just don't want to look at you. It was literally faced towards the wall. Yeah, but we discovered. You put him in the corner? I put me where in the he corner, so I didn't have to oh, see him. Yeah. But then it didn't work at all. It was, it was, totally it was so awkward. Like the Blair Witch Project, just standing yeah, there. Yeah, it was. I was around. like the Blair Witch. I don't want to look over there and see I don't want to see what's happening behind me. It's, it's just a lot of bad shit happening. It's bad. So please continue, Brad. I'm sorry. We just wanted to get you close on the mic. Well, I'm happy to be here for you closer. So... That's what we do, and I, on the day-to-day, I work hands-on with people that have experienced homelessness or are formerly homeless, and I have lived in downtown Los Angeles now for a better part of 12 years. So through the entire, if you want to use development that's happened, especially when people think about downtown being such a hotspot right now, the development's only been really the last four years. So some people own iPhones that are older than right. the development of downtown Los Angeles. But the belief structure is that it's always been that way. And that's not true. So it's it's very 
it's the first time in close to a century that people have wanted to open their businesses or develop on that side of Broadway from the financial district, which is primarily where all people were coming in and out of downtown for. So, but as you go further down Broadway, you cannot but be run up against to what is known as Skid Row and right. the people that are experiencing homelessness. And after our most recent homeless count, that's close to 60,000 people yeah. are experiencing some form of homelessness in LA County. Now that's not just Skid Row, that's LA County, which is a sprawl, but that's a huge number. It's the highest of any city. Yeah. And, well, I, and I think the amount that are unhoused homeless or un... Correct. Yeah, unhoused, unsheltered. Unsheltered. unsheltered, sorry, unsheltered homeless is higher than any city. Yeah. But I think both by like rate and number. Well, uh, we have a listener uh, who is a professor at the University of Utah who studies homelessness, and that's one of his research areas. And We have a listener who's a professor? Yeah, <laughs> Professor Jeff. <laughs> what? And he, he, he just wrote in with a bunch of like general homeless statistics that he had, and it was a really interesting contrast because he said it's around 30 to 40% unsheltered in, in general, but in L.A. it's like 75, uh, according to the most recent thing that I read. Brad, did you read the... LA Times article from February about the history in, of homelessness in LA. Um, it, the title was LA's homelessness surged 75% in six years. Here's why the crisis has been decades in the making. I was just curious if, if that article was accurate, if you found it to be. Um, as far, well, accurate, that's a that's an interesting term. Right. Uh, like I can tell you another, especially when it comes around LA Times. So Skid Row, actually the history of Skid Row, if you, if, if you're downtown exploring, you'll notice that the Hotel Roslyn, they are facing east, and unlike most of the new development, they face west. And why that is, because people didn't just start coming to L.A. from Malibu. And at Skid Row, at its genesis, was a place where people were coming, and every major city has a Skid Row, where there was migrant workers looking for opportunities, and the building and the steel beams that now built what is Los Angeles would leave skids on the road. Chicago's got a skid row. New York has a skid row. Ours, of course, is being the most famous because now that brand is synonymous with homelessness, failed policies. That's why it's skid row, because of the steel beams. Literally leaving skids on the row. And there was all these SRO housing for these migrant workers to come and live it. So it was basically single room occupancies that they would come and they would stay at. And now those single room occupancies have been developed into either transitional or assistive housing for people experiencing homelessness. And so when we were able to take advantage when this crisis started happening and put all of the services and things that this population might need there, and then of course the homeless then grew around it. And unlike other major cities, like LA is a giant sprawl. So where you will experience homelessness across, you know, in New York where you would walk out and you'll see it everywhere. A lot of it just kind of happened out of view, out of sight from most of the residents in California, happening on this side of Skid Row. And unless you had a reason to go down there, there's no reason you would ever go down there. But now with the restaurants, development, everything that's happening, we're getting a lot more eyes, a lot more awareness, and rightfully so, people are horrified to see what's been going on and has been going on for quite some time. Right. When your organization says housing first, can you talk a little bit about what that means? Housing first? Yes. Sure. Um, so housing first is ideally uh, started with our CEO, Michael Vitras, was the idea that if before we can start dealing with the many multitudes of acuities that are possibly happening with this population, we want to say, let's put them in a house first. Let's stabilize them. 
So ideally, like a doctor, you go see a doctor and he goes like, you know, 90% of what's going on with you right now would be greatly benefited if you had a door that locked, right. a bed to sleep on, access to a bathroom. And then from there, once stabilized, we can start bringing in the services to finally what's going on. Now, that's the basic model of housing first. But what's also interesting on our end of it, since we've been doing this now going on 30 years, is we've been able to collect all this data right? of kind of like... All the people that have come through our buildings, writing down what's the similarities, why does this actually keep coming? Here are some hard facts and numbers, because right now, especially with as we in California passed, you know, some great uh, legislation like for Measure H and Prop HHH to bring a lot of great funding towards us. That's taxing the people but, a small percentage. So you, so small, that we, per- yeah, exactly. But in the California. Don't don't the, the lose Cal- it. I'm don't, sorry. Don't lose the California, <laughs> the California public animated wanted this to happen. Why? Right? Yeah. No, we voted for it. We voted for, I it. voted for it. So, but the thing also on that end, it's like then expressing to people that solution doesn't like work for Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime. Now that you just voted for it, you're going to see a change. Yeah. This is going to take some time. Take time. And then also with the data that we have, we can present going like here is what's going on that you might not think. And my main job always. When we say like the number of 60,000 people experiencing homelessness, that's a huge, scary number. Right. So we as people, like, how do we make sense of it? How do I relate to this? How do I even try to comprehend this in my mind? Well, I'm going to make it punitive because I don't want it close to me. Yeah. So then that's where a lot of the narrative comes into place of like, there must be drug addicts or criminal mental illness, all these things, which are absolutely taking place, but they're more or less symptoms or causalities from being homeless, especially our residents are chronically homeless, which they fall into a category of being homeless from 10 to 20 years. Wow. So imagine living on the street for a week to a month to a year. What that would like, how long, what would you do to be able to get through the day to day just to survive? And then how well would your, your, your ability, your mental facilities last when you don't have any contact that isn't violent for over a year. Right. It's all when no one makes eye contact with you or like you can't even, you're desperate to use a bathroom and you're about to base, defecate yourself and you walk in like pleading with a restaurant right. and the they just you shame you out of there. Well, the bathroom thing is particularly interesting because in that article, you learned that actually there've been a couple times in which porta potties were put onto Skid Row. Mm-hmm. And then for various reasons removed later, like huge amounts of porta potties were put there and then, uh, because either they were being used for prostitution or some other reason, they got taken away, which it, seems it's weird. To think well, you got to also think about like, that's a really interesting more of, which I'd love to talk about when we're looking at the economics of this. So like, w- if this is how you, like right now there's a big like concern, especially, well, are they just like dealing drugs or nothing else? Well, that's, if that's the way of at all to get some means to move to benefit yourself and your family. And that's the only option you have. What do you turn to? It's understanding that they're like, they aren't giving the same. And this gets into a much more deeper, like uh, conversation really around systemic racism, for example, or failed policies. Like what, especially with foster care, when you age out of the foster care system, what are your options? Where do you go? Where do you, what possibly can you turn to? What is the protection that you have as you've already fallen through the system's cracks? So you're already free falling. What do you hold on to on the way down? Anything you can. 
Well, also, isn't I mean the removal of stuff like that is so punitive to people. Even the the drug or prostitution issue aside, that are that are using it properly. So the properly, quote unquote. So the people that need to use the bathroom, yes, are are just getting fucked out of the porta potty issue because some element is not using it for its intended use. And is is that is any help being generated by taking away these facilities? Let me ask you this question: Do you think that is something that is solely for just porta potties in Skid Row or any other? No, that's what I mean. That's that's that's. Do you think that's not happening in the Venice restrooms? Oh, I guarantee you it is. I'm sure it is. Yeah, but that's again. So if while. And that's really the most exciting part of what I do is that when you come down, you have this, and Isaacs actually has done this. When you come and walk through our buildings, which are beautiful, because we work with the top architects like yeah. Michael Maltzman, Brooks and Scapa, and understanding the difference between a box and a home and how you and how that affects you and how that immediately places value. So, one of the most important lessons I've ever learned from my father was trust is the easiest thing in the world to lose and the most difficult thing to get back. Right. And we've lost the trust. So how do I just, without it being just lip service, show? We lost the trust of who? Of people that have fallen through our system's uh, cracks. So, yeah. so and, it's, and they're, they're reacting now against the system because they feel like they have no place in it. Right. And then also think about, too, like, let's really get into what substance abuse or drug addiction actually is. So if you are in the deep throes of drug addiction, as described in the DSM, as thought as an actual illness. Right. And I go, all right, it's great. You can, I'm going to move you into this beautiful home. But that one solution that you've had and you've used for 10 years that's kept you alive, you can't do that anymore. Right. You might as well ask someone to give up their arm. Or better yet, like, for example, Tito's Vodka is one of our wonderful sponsors that I brought in. And then I've worked with them for years. And I get asked, like, like vodka and homelessness is not a little insensitive or a little taboo. Yeah. And like, it, like the best part of this partnership, besides like, the amount of resources they it's provide for us. How much vodka they buy it's, from? It, well, no, yeah. It's, <laughs> you couldn't help yourself, could you? That was low hanging fruit. I guess, really. The scorpion and the frog analogy comes into play. You knew it was going to happen. I don't know I why. Was, I just hoped for the best. I really did. I yeah. felt like I, he looked he looked kindly at me, and I thought, maybe nice. maybe he's calmed down. But no, it was just no, but set up. So, so but hold on. I want to finish that point. Is that not every person that's homeless is an alcoholic and alcoholism is definitely not the reason why people are homeless and understanding that brings it back towards the the people aspect of it. For example, like lumping it all into one category. Now I would, I would like to say that you have a very tidy, neat home. Thank you. And the studio here is immaculate. It's like almost Cameron Fry esque. It's pretty amazing, but I've never been to Isaac's home and I'm just going to assume, by the way that he is, that it's a mess. No, it's actually not. No. See, but hold on. Here's the point. It's like, if I go like after this <laughs> podcast, I want you to go home and clean your apartment. What would your reaction of me never seeing it? What would it be to say back to me? Uh, I would say, well, what do you mean? Like, like I mean, I think, I think, I just, I think you're messy. Go clean your apartment. Yeah, no, I, I think I understand the point you're making that I would not like being told what you to would do. tell me to go fuck yeah, off. Right, right. Well, same thing. Imagine so you're a person that's experienced homelessness. I'm looking at you. You must be mentally ill. You must be a drug addict. But you it, must be this. Isn't and that treat such, you in kind of- Isn't that so simplistic though? You know, to because I feel like again, what we've talked about on this podcast before is it seems like there are. When you're when we, when you look at that video in that article that he's talking about, and mm-hmm. the LA Times goes around and talks to these homeless guys, and they're saying like, "Look, I'm really I just can't find work. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm out here because I can't find work." And 
when you drop below that level and you're struggling and you can't get anywhere and oh how do i cope with this drugs right and then it just it turns into this spiral downwards downwards but those type of people who seem like maybe uh, they can be saved at some level or, or they can define saved. Well, what maybe not saved maybe be housed. They can make their way out of homelessness in some way. Those sure. people to me seem different than this other group of people that is actively hostile to society. That's not the guy who's can like, I Oh, ask oh, you oh, to oh. be specific. Yeah. So the homeless guy who is shitting on the street, uh-huh. I, I walked by a guy the other day, that was actually this happened twice in a row. A guy just standing in the middle of the sidewalk, pissing on the fucking ground. Okay. That guy. I don't think he's doing that because he's just so fucked up or blah, blah, blah. blah. I think that guy is doing exactly what you're saying. I think that he hates society and he actively exists in opposition of it. And that's why. You know, you see some of these guys, the litter and the, just the shit. It's so like, hold on. I, like, I want to speak to this. And it's an interesting point that you bring up. Um, and what the best way I can kind of come back to you is with a really interesting project that Teresa Honig, who was a urban planner, worked with Skid Row Housing Trust to do called R Skid Row. And what it consisted of doing was we walked the entire breadth of the real estate that is actually Skid Row with sketch pads, notepads, and we collected data. And we started going like... How many public restrooms? Where do you see for shade? Or like, here's a dilapidated building. What would you put here? And bringing in, as I said, people experiencing homeless, formerly homeless, architects, artists, musicians, anyone that want to participate, please come. And we did. And one of the most telling things that of this data that was collected was there's a total of 72 trash cans in Skid Row. And what that translates to is one trash can every two city blocks. Yeah. So if you're, and when I walk through the community, which I do every day, I see people in those tented areas that are sweeping, taking care. And and if you go around where the people are actually living, they're very well kept and clean. But do I risk doing the right community service aspect, the right civilian thing to do and find the trash can that's two blocks away? Because then everything's going to be, I might come back and everything I have is robbed. And to speak really quickly too um, about the LA Times, for example, here's another interesting fact. So when I first joined the organization, like our buildings also are lead certified platinum. So uh, are, are lead certified. Most of them are platinum rating. We had one gold rating, which means as little as a carbon footprint as possible. Right. So when I'm bringing people through tours or we're talking with potential partners, they go like, well, like why, why concentrate on that? Why is that important? And I go, well, because people that are experiencing homelessness live on the same planet as we do have skin. But here's an interesting other fact about LA Times is during the when we when I first joined the organization, they had just passed the ordinance that they could confiscate the tents without any real constitutional right to do so. And this was more or less kind of done around Santa Monica and the Palisades or places where underpasses were the more NIMBY, which means not in my backyard, which we can talk more about if you want. Yeah. Um, rhetoric was prevalent. And, and so if you could, so they, they weren't supposed to be taking IDs and medication. But of course, that was happening. So they would confiscate these tents, bring them to a holding facility in Skid Row. And if you could get from where you were, say, Santa Monica Pier to down to Skid Row, pay the citation to get the things back. You also know if you stay in, in Skid Row, the chances of them taking it are far less. So yeah. it was a better way of securing what you do have. But that was the also the same time that LA Times wrote the article that it's 
you know, and also during that period of time, it was the first summer that we had that unfortunately now is commonplace where it was over 101 to 102 degrees for a week straight, which is, of course, I'm sure you guys talked about it as well. Insane. But (laughs) during that period of time, we took away the little shelter this, this population had, little resources they had, confiscated them, criminalizing the homeless. And then LA Times wrote the article, it's gotten so bad, it's dangerous in Skid Row, it's a third world country. At the point, yes, during that heat wave and when we took away the shelter, certainly was. But there's accountability on both sides. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and Isaac, I, to your point about people pissing, I mean, people that aren't homeless piss in inappropriate places all the time when yeah. they think they can get away with it. Just the other night, I was at Fat Sal's and I was getting into a car, and some guy next to me also in a car was pissing behind his door, and he gave me attitude. Uh, when I was trying to get into the That's car. That's interesting too. I was listening to your podcast, just trying to learn more about this. And I heard the Burning Man episode where someone was covered in piss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least and I was crying. Who was happened in the, in the port of Very anti-establishment trying to like <clears throat> corner poor girls to read Bukowski poems. So. I, I, don't, yeah, right. I, I don't know though, but it's a great I, episode, I, you know, I, I feel Very on the one else. hand, you know, again, if somebody uh, is in this terrible situation and they need help, they should get help from society. How do you get that help? When I when I look at Skid Row, though, and when I I walked through there at three o'clock in the morning the other night just to do it, and it, why would you do that? Because I was out at tourism. A bar, I was out at a bar on the other side, and I was like, well, this is my home now again. This is like my I should have the right to walk around these streets at night. And oh, stop! Hold and, on! Hold on! Hold on! The right, like the, that's just like basic street smarts. Doesn't matter what city you're in, no, if but you don't Skid walk. Row's not dangerous. I'm, thank you for saying that, but any yeah, metropolitan area is dangerous. Well, anyway, I walked through it. Nothing bad happened to me. And I, there was no nobody harassed me. Everybody it's too left bad. Were you smelling walked. like piss again? No, but <laughs> when I, you, I walk through it and I'm looking around, <laughs> it looks to me like a failed society. It looks like when you're having when you're building your society and you're thinking, okay, well, I'd like this to be in my society. I'd like this. I'd like this. And if it all goes wrong. Uh, this is the what it's going to look like. It looks like failure. It looks like we have failed. Well, hold on society. for a second. Like, there's a certain point that we have failed, but like, also, do me a favor. You went with me into the star. Which, yeah, no, which was a fun experience. The, in this, let me actually describe what one of your buildings looks like really quick. Okay. So the star building is this building in the middle of Skid Row. It's very beautiful on the outside. They have a cool garden area on the inside. The, uh, if people want to see pictures, they can go on skidrow.org. Correct. Right? Yeah, and there's yeah, some great videos and pictures there. And there's... Thank uh, you, Charles. It, it's it's um, it's a little bit... Like, what's a nice way to say this? Uh-oh. It's, oh, a, it, it's a little institutional. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not just like a straight-up apartment building. Like, it does feel like... Because there's that big glass thing on the first floor. What are you talking about? It's like, you know... What big like, glass thing? Like, the office <laughs> building that's located on the property for the... Department of Housing and Health? Yeah, there's or, a Department of Housing thing. In there. Yeah, that's one of our tenants, and that's also a very creative way that we collect revenue, so we bring partners that we want to act, have great there. synergy. All I'm saying is it's not like walking into like an, your average apartment building. It feels a little different than that. Well, it is a little different than exactly, that. Exactly. But then also, rem- okay. All right, let me just tell the rest of the story. I don't so think I want you to. <laughs> so each of the rooms is like a small room that it's like a little bit like, I don't know, they feel a little bit like dorm rooms to me. Um and my favorite part of the entire tour was I was I went there with this group called 
breakout that I used oh, to work God, for. I know where this is going. <laughs> and and uh, this breakout group is full of very uh, elite people. It's a little uh, bit like Summit is Series. Is this an excuse to tell this story? Yeah, totally. Okay. Well, I'm just trying to give some color to the situation. Okay. Here. And uh, <laughs> so not really describing the building. You're just describing a thing that happened. Well, no. The so there are people coming in and out of the building, and and <clears> uh, <throat> you know they don't all look you know homeless as you would say. Scare they, quotes because they they're not uh, homeless, you right, idiot. Homeless. They're housed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but one <Fucking> idiot, <laughs> one bedraggled, bedraggled guy walks by. And he, he, like, there's this group of kind of elite, young, mostly white people there, like, in hipster hats. And he just I shouts, hat. he shouts, I'm not in a fucking zoo! And all the people, like, you know, it was a great moment. I, it was my favorite moment in Breakout. And then sure. what happened after? I, uh, I'm not, so why I don't you tell, him. I'm not, tell not the, no, but what, what happened after that? Uh, he went upstairs. Oh, okay. There's a funny, <laughs> so... What did happen? There's a lot of well. Here's a little context as well that the star has won a lot of awards and we do a lot of tours through there. Uh, In fact, it was featured in Time Magazine where we were awarded one of the top 50 most innovative companies. Yeah, it looks cool. I don't know why you think it's institutional. It's he's. I'm I'm just talking about the inside and the outside. This is where I'm. So, but I will say this to Isaac's aesthetic defense: that is a pre-module building which is also a big deal. So we built oh, right. every one of the rooms in Idaho. Idaho, excuse me. Uh. It comes in and then basically they were stacked on top of each other for like Legos. And on the website, you can see this really great time lapse. Now, this is also a way we are pushing innovation. So let's think about if we're in a densely populated area and we're going to build new buildings, which we have to build new buildings, 60,000 people experiencing homelessness. It's not transitional. We have to get things going building new buildings. So, but then there's the staging area. So staging areas, all the materials that would come in to build a new building, you'll see it next to anything going up where the cranes are, the cement mixers, you name it. So how do you stage a new building without displacing the very population that you're trying to help? Our answer to that was pre-module. And we tried this. Now it is a 500 square foot unit, which are the smallest of our property units. But when they are decorated and they are lived in, they look huge and beautiful. Yeah, 500 and that, square feet. So on that cool. note to Isaac's thing, when I got asked by Isaac and his friend to do this for this, you know, Soho house, like weekend retreat, <laughs> <laughs> I, they, they go, it has to be on Saturday. And I go, well, then it's a no go because we do so many tours during the week. The residents have asked us nicely because this is where they live. Weekends yeah, off. Don't do it on yeah. The, yeah, right. Isaac was persistent. Oh, it wasn't me. I wasn't persistent. It was probably oh. one of the people who. Oh, it's weird when you don't remember guy. things correctly, isn't it? It's <laughs> strange. Were you? Wait. Anyway, I didn't. I thought that so, was a beautiful moment. By so the way, what, I'm also, not saying that was hold a on. bad. Can you, moment. can you also say like what happened to that gentleman? Did anyone go talk to him? No. Did really? They? Yeah. You did. I, yes, you did. of course I yeah, did. Yeah, you went to go talk to him. I remember that. Yeah. And apologized. Yeah. Right. And blamed you. And pointed you out to him, and gave him your address. <laughs> no, that's, um, that's who's been new shitting on my front. No, porch. but like you talk about like the defecation and all the. Is it upsetting to see? Yes, but also understand there aren't bathrooms. And at a certain point, yeah, there is a case of what, for no better term, the fuckets will apply. When you're like, I'm not going to put myself into, like, 
if someone would let me use a bathroom, I would happily use it. But you're not going to, so this is going to happen. So it's, it's hard happen. to use a bathroom when you're when you're homeless. No, it's no, I mean, it's hard when you're not homeless. It's when, hard to use. When I was it's in true. DC, it's I was true. staying with friends. I didn't want to shit in their apartment, so I I went to go looking for some other place to do it, and it was hard. It took a lot of doing to like identify places I could get in, and the, I'm not homeless looking. You know what the key is? The key is to go into the nicest place. That's the key. I do this all what the time. What is that? Like what? I'm, I'm a big public Basically, shitter. he shits everywhere. I'm a big public On shitter. everything. I do a lot of public shitting. I'd rather not, but I didn't want to put I it like in that I like public shitting, and I do it all the time, because I have, like, I just have to. And I, the key is to find the nicest place, and you just nod at the hostess, like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to meet my friends, and you just go shit in the nice So let's talk about white privilege. <laughs> <laughs> that, this is one instance in which I say, will say that white privilege is very real. Um, uh, no, hold on, hold on. So okay, I think you know we can disagree on the the the. Uh, so the, how about the small this? Let's the look at something else. Like let's that, that you know let put aside as you will that it's an architectural marvel that basically also through the work like this the intention is brought Michael Maltzman who's now doing the Sixth Street Bridge renovation, Cyarch Building, Cal Arts. Yeah. So there's a great symbiosis there, but like let's talk about what it means. And the way I can do that is what, like, what do you mean? What means? What a home means, and what here's a different way of looking at it, Isaac, which is, uh, and this is a, one of the most of my time working with the trust. This is the the best story I've gotten from a resident, okay, named Evelyn, and she and I when I first joined, um, you can describe how I look if you want to. I'm not your average looking nonprofit guy. Yeah, I was a little surprised. You what want me to do aver- it? Was an average nonprofit looking guy? You look know, like, like hippie ish. Yeah, like kind of reedy. Um, I read. Reedy. No, 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 not not reading, but reedy, like thin and not reading, and not oh, substantial. Okay. Reading at every. Moment. Oh, I'm substantial. <laughs> well, you know, well, you like. Thank you, kind sir. You've got, you've got some. It looks like you're you got, got some, some meat on the bones. Got some meat on your bones. Got, got some tattoos. tats. That's true. I do. Got I do. a got a powerful mustache. It you, is powerful. Yeah. You're, but that's you're like a punk era person. So like, well, okay. Um, like, I don't want to get too far from my kidneys. So I, I was basically like. <laughs> I really open myself up again, low hanging fruit. So um, we're good. <laughs> Tom Selleck of the nonprofit Ooh. sector. Ooh. You could be my Higgins. Bad. Higgins. Anyway, Higgins. reference beyond us. Yeah, sorry. I'm no so Higgins. fucking old. Anyway, <laughs> this I, I so I'm talking with Evelyn, and I'm going like I got to go out and talk to these young millennial idiots. And I'm, pointing I'm not a millennial. Don't point at me. You are a millennial. No, I'm not. I was born well, in '81, buddy. It's, I'm I'm firmly in between X and millennial. I'm an mm, X and in between. We're gonna round up on this one, anyways. You're moving forward. So, <laughs> how do I? How do I? What can I tell them about you living in this incredible building that would be inspiring? Like, like, tell me some stories because I need to know from you. And she goes, like, so I ask her, like, what's the most? What's your favorite thing about your apartment? She's like, my doorbell. And I'm like, what the. Fuck? You live in a pre-module, lead-certified platinum spaceship designed by Michael Maltzman. Like, why is your doorbell your your favorite thing? And she very patiently and kindly explained to me, imagine never being able to edit who can come in and out of your room. Right. And what that means, especially as a woman, to say, I'm home when I decide who comes in and out. No. And I get goosebumps at literally thinking about that because that was the moment for me that really the light bulb went off understanding exactly what it is we're doing. All right. So I, that was, I, I, that too touchy feeling. No, it's a beautiful story. And again, it, on an individual level, like people, it's like when you, when you talk Uh-oh. about people and groups and people as individuals, every individual is somebody who's understand is, uh, but this feel is empathy a people, for. this is, this is a people issue. It, I know. I know. Hold on. So my point is, I think that this is going to get heated. Yes. Going to the people that you are helping, <laughs> 
many of them truly want and need help. And by giving them what they want, you're creating these beautiful stories. And I don't have anything against that in any way. Mm-hmm. However, we can very both, generous. We can both agree that the way things have been going, the problem, the the larger problem, not the individual problem, okay, the societal problem, the the problem that not doesn't affect the minority that affects the majority. Uh huh. That problem. I want to know. Is a fucking problem. And yeah. It's, and it's not going away. It's not getting better. So how do we get it better? How do we make so, it better? Okay. All right. How about this? So the, the issue with this is really about an old way of doing things in a new. So we can all agree exactly right. There's a problem. We can yeah, see the problem. And problem. we are actually trained to identify problems first. Right. It, it's like looking at what's right with the picture is a much it's more hard. difficult That's tool. That's absolutely true. To and use. we don't, and you don't see that story that you just told. Nobody sees that. So, you see that, but not everybody else sees that beautiful thank moment. Thank God with the for podcasts. I can tell now that you story. Know. Yeah, but that still you doesn't guys are mean doing God's that, work. that beautiful story doesn't alleviate the so this the, the you know I don't want to call it a disease, but whatever that problem. So is. let's look at this as as if it was a pandemic. Yeah, right. Okay. And that I mean, with the numbers of sixty thousand, pandemic is not too far of a stretch of a word to use. So yeah. why is it happening? What can we do immediately to change it? And then that's where also the idea comes. Like we have all the money and the resources, development coming in. How do we make this work? How do we do good business and do growth for the city that's good, not only for the people experiencing homelessness, but as well for people that are trying to open up new businesses and move downtown, like you know, young influencers like yeah. you. Yeah, influencers. Um, Let's just get rid of those homeless and replace them with influencers. Oh, Jesus Christ, right? Um, <laughs> but so, like, that's the thing is, like, think about the way that building looks. Which is more likely to be pro-business that you'd want to open up a coffee house yeah. or brick and mortar next to? All right, so there's that. Let's also talk about the fact the health of, costs. So let's so let's talk about that. Cost. cost is a great thing to go at, and this is honestly the one statistic that's absolutely factual. You guys can look this up on. You can go to. It's called Economic Roundtable. So every year, and if you're listening in California, and then I think they have these across our great nation, there's a homeless count, which is funded by uh, United Way. And people can go, and it's basically a census. Everyone comes together, and you count how many homeless there are. Now, with new technology and things that we're able to use, we get much more accurate numbers. And then afterwards, the Economic Roundtable comes in and assesses what that is costing us as taxpayers. People that are experiencing homelessness. Yeah. So currently, if you're experiencing homelessness, it, the cost is about a little bit over one hundred twenty to $130,000 per person annually. So times that by 60000 that's a big number. Yeah. To build a beautiful building like the Star or, our, or the Six or the Crest or the New Pershing or the New Genesis, by bringing in facilities and bringing in services to the building that they have access to, decreases that cost of upwards to forty to $50,000 per person. That's a huge saving. So the takeaway, it costs more money to do nothing. That's what we're going to understand is like, it's not about sitting down and identifying the problem. We've identified it. What we need now is action. But what do we do? Do we just build five? I mean, is the answer we build 10 more stars and that's the, then the problem is uh, solved? No, we are doing, that's what's so great about looking at the, what's right with the picture is that you find organizations that you believe in that are doing right and you show up for them and you advocate for them and right. understand that this is not going to be something that you're going to blink and just, it's going to be fixed. This is, Skid Row has been existing as it's been existing for the homeless for close to a, a century. It's going to take time to fix that. And I, and I can tell you also the polling of the stories that I, <laughs> talking with people that are currently experiencing homelessness or are now housed, 
usually it's the same story. I was working. I got injured. I got turned upside down on health insurance. I lost everything. I had no support group. Pain management, living on the street. It just, there's a certain part of this where you're looking going like, this is what's going on. So for example, if we did some radical changes towards our educational and our health care policies, we'd see a dramatic decrease in people experiencing homelessness in five to 10 years. So do you think though that there's any room for a stick? Because it sounds to me like you're saying it's a all- A stick? It's all, <laughs> it's all carrot, right? It's all carrot. All your solutions are carrots. Is there any room for a stick? Like uh, What? Wh- well, no, yeah, the stick is not for the people experiencing homelessness. You know, the stick goes to people like you. A, a, like, I don't, a carrot is like a reward. The carrot in the stick. He's, oh, yeah, I know. I, I, he's I, calling me a, a horse. Uh, no, a free apartment building is a carrot. I mean, it's saying, hey, come in here. We'll give you, we'll so, get you up. We'll get you started. So here's up. the carrot. But is there a stick part? Because the, the broken windows theory, right? Broken windows theory. That was implemented by Bratton. Brad, Bratton. Bratton. And it did clear out Skid Row mm-hmm. temporarily, mm-hmm. right? But then it all it collapsed. Yeah, because they were all in reason. jail, right? They're, and they you're right, they went to jail they and then crimin- they came back. They, they, they right. criminalized they the criminalized. homeless. Well, it used to also be illegal to sleep on the streets, and now it is legal. So let's so, also talk but I'm about saying, the is there high any, number of privatized prisons in something. You're California. saying like when you say this thing, to, to be perfectly honest with you, when you say this thing of when they're saying oh pain management, oh uh, job, oh blah blah blah. That's probably true quite a lot of the time, but some of the time those people are taking advantage, right? I, oh, Isaac, I've missed you. <laughs> is your is your <clears throat> thesis that some people just love being homeless because they can no? Get, yeah, no, Isaac no, actually no, said no, to me, no, I, no, I, no, I, no. "What about the people that just want to be homeless?" And I go, "I have not. You've met. never met that." And actually, that really sticks with me that you said that to me, and I believe you. I I don't think there are people out there who are but thinking how, in their head, your, "I like I like where I am." How I could your that. logical reasoning not bring you to that without him telling you that? Like, I didn't need him to tell me that. Nobody really wants to be homeless. Well, because I think I thought that at some level those people are choosing that. <laughs> he's a romantic, life. and he you thinks know? he's going. Like, there's a difference between going to Burning Man and going off grid and being homeless. <laughs> yeah, it's Burning Man live, man. Yeah. I just go to yeah. No, but uh, you sparkle pony. I'm just saying it's Ooh. like I feel like maybe not choice isn't the word, but willing compliance. With so it let's like look at. I believe what I would you like to saying, answer but your some question. Some people are damaged people, though. Do you? Right? I'm looking at one. <laughs> so they should be punished. Yeah. Not I have a punished, stick. You have but, a stick? Let's but, but, but test maybe this the theory. Stick is, maybe the stick's so better for them. Listen, you just pour, like, I a kid, would like a kid. to answer oh, oh, your question. On. A kid, you don't, a kid who's acting badly, you don't we just should keep giving them. them shit. Well, at a certain point, you have to have some type of stick, whether it's a physical one or saying, no, Can you we? don't get free shit anymore, right? Sorry, I yeah, know that's my bad. You, you don't get free shit anymore. Like, no, we're not going to give you free things. So anymore. let's you talk about this out. free shit. Okay, and, so and let's also shit. talk about maybe, like, did you not get what you wanted growing up? Did you need more hugs? No, I got too like, many hugs. Oh, that, oh you're, this is the problem. Actually, I'm not going to argue more. with that. So, like, all right, so let's talk about, like, like the free shit. So as I just told you, the stick doesn't go necessarily onto the people that have been suffering for decades. The stick needs to be applied to the people that have turned a blind eye to those. So that's where in right now we are feeling the stick because it is an eyesore on all this beautiful development in downtown. And people are constantly wanting to fix this problem, not because necessarily they want to end homelessness, but because they want the property value and they want to do more business and they want, you know, as, yeah, yeah. So and they where want, I come you know, into healthy. play with this and where I can kind of talk to you about is that 
Both motivations are not necessarily bad or opposing. We need to find synergy and ways to do them together. We need to find ways that going like, not only are we going to find a solve for this and expose some really failed policies that need to be fixed, we're going to also work with you so your business can thrive. Because if your business thrives and you work within our model, then this is a solution that's scalable. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yes. So like if this, if we can prove this thesis here, we can expand it across the country. Now, I always think about the brand of Skid Row as a recognizable brand, as a place you don't want to be. And Skid Row is a state of mind. That's my favorite uh, quote about it. I don't even want to know where that came from. Well, but, I think that's kind of what we're talking about. It's well, like no. Skid Row, you get into this place where you're just reacting. You know? No, Skid Row, is, like... Skid Row is a brand that symbolizes homelessness. It symbolizes failed systems. It symbolizes like a, like the last house on the block where you don't want to end up. Yeah, right. Now, what right. if in it's our... that place you don't want to go. So uh, instead of making it a punitive place or a place where the, it is, it's the looming stick over everybody's over head. Over everybody's lives. Yeah, that's true. It's a stick in that way. Yeah. Um, what if we ch- what if we were able to take that brand and change it into American innovation, community solutions, and hope, and we made the walk from the historic core to the Arts District filled with these beautiful buildings and bringing, as I told you in the beginning of this podcast, that people used to go to Skid Row because they were looking for opportunities. So I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm bringing it back to the genesis. And then what would that blossom or explode out to culturally to inspire others to do? For me, this is almost like New Deal moon landing kind of idea with with a very obvious populace that is looking for some sort of solution to see what's right with the picture. And when I'm talking with, even to you, Isaac, the misanthrope of DTLA, like you, <laughs> when I bring you in there, you were inspired and you no, wanted totally. to do, and you actually continually for months afterwards came going like, what more can I do? Yeah, no, I, and, and again, I hear the stories and I, you know, I think this utopian vision of rebranding it with all these beautiful buildings sounds great, you, but how, is that realistic? I mean, can we really expect So if that you to take happen? the word utopian out of it and you look at it just like good business. So like, I'm not, it, the thing about it is, is that the constant argument is that you can't do something good without it costing you something. There's this transactional or deficit. If we do good work that's for the society, it's going to take away from our pockets. I'm telling you right now, more than any other time in history, to be aligned with a social initiative is actually going to give you... That's true. From a capitalistic standpoint, yes. It's so, better now to, than ever do it before. So, However, I, I don't see Skid Row being this place where there's a why bunch not? of... Of free buildings that anybody can live in. They're not get better. So here's the deal: is that they're not technically free. They're thirty percent of your yearly annual income. But if you don't have a yearly annual income, they're free. So, and then also let's talk about the harm reduction model, for example. Yeah, wait. So you did mention that earlier. So tell us what that is. Again. So the best way I can do that quickly. So the way I like to describe this is that solutions can't exist over a trapdoor. Meaning that if we're going to create, and this is a very almost utopic is the idea that our goal is housing first. So what you do behind closed doors is your business. So meaning, but we create a community and opportunity within our buildings. So when you are that willingness, which is a brave step and the most valuable resource as that is produced, it can then be captured and given the resources to thrive and how that works and how that looks is different on an individual basis. But if you are and all of our buildings also for example like the star is we work with a coordinated entry system and we can talk about that as well but is specifically for those who are dealing with mental illness and substance abuse so the specialists that are in that building they are the best at that field 
to offer up the best possible services for them. But whether you know or don't know, interestingly enough about especially like alcoholism or drug addiction, it is, as far as I know, the only disease that's categorized as a disease that has to be self-diagnosed. And it means like a doctor can't tell you you're an alcoholic. They will tell you, but it might not register your family members. You have to be able to see it in yourself and go, I want to make that change. And that willingness, that step into that change is not easy. And it takes a lot of bravery. And so how do you create that? How do you create that trust to be able to do that? So for example, if transitional housing or other people that do work like us go, here's a house, you can have it for six months and I need you to turn your life around. Right. How, how can you do that in six months? All right. Whether you're an alcoholic or not, here's, this is a completely dry facility. So if I see you with a joint or a beer, which are perfectly legal now in California, you lose it. That creates a, a, a very much, does that create a level of trust? Does that create, that immediately puts a power dynamic involved in well, this but when, Hold on. Okay, okay. <laughs> Can I finish? Right. So with the harm reduction model, because this is important, for the solution to exist, the opposite has to as well. So if we get off the street and you choose to be off the street and you just want to drink or use in your apartment and you're not hurting yourself, I mean, if you're not damaging the property or doing whatever, the cause then then really behind closed doors you're a grown yeah nobody's going to come in there and like to so say are you doing this and exactly you right yeah, but yeah. the thing is also we can identify and when <clears throat> if you need medical help right that's there for you so that has to exist for the other to exist right and so, where someone can come in and take advantage of it in, in immediately it might take someone three years and that has to be okay because that creates the the trust and the culture and the environment for real solutions to come in and, and to thrive and also showing a real understanding and awareness and empathy towards what the disease actually yeah. is. So, okay. So long story short, I'm harm bored. reduction is no harm reduction is uh, this thing, this principle that uh, you come into the housing and the housing is really truly yours and nobody's going to be monitoring your behaviors to the point where, Oh, if they see you with a bottle, they're going to throw they, you out. It's not punitive. It's not punitive. Yeah. So like, so, but then the, that gets us in a lot of trouble though. Isaac. Like, that's very, yeah, no, actually it's, it's con controversial. It's controversial. It's controversial because then people thing. ask me all the time going, why aren't there just people using drugs and drinking in your apartment buildings? Right, and right. I go, if we can find an apartment building in the world where people are not using drugs right. or drinking behind closed so, doors, yeah. how's that work? Well, but they're not all getting the apartments for free is the thing. Or well, not free, 30%, the, which is actually not, not that bad. I'm just saying, but the thing is... Like, with, that's what you're supposed to pay. For, yeah, yes, honestly. For, like, that would be an rent. affordable... That's a whole yeah. other podcast, uh, yeah, isn't right, it? Right, right, right. So, okay. So what is your... Charles, we got to weigh in here. You have to help me, save me from this. What do you save you from what? <laughs> from your nonsense? I mean... Oh, so I'm the... Okay, double I team. I really like Charles. Double team. <laughs> all right. So why... What, what is my nonsense? What are you thinking about? Well, no, I... What do you think about harm reduction, first? I think it's great. I mean, the point... The thing to me is when you take somebody off the street, you're moving the stress of street living, right? Yeah. They're removing those daily obstacles that they have to deal with. And that's going to, I think, and I assume help them recover much faster than if you're like, all right, before you can get in this house, you have to get off heroin and you're going to do that all by yourself and, and, exactly. and fix it. And the likelihood of that is, is tiny. I mean, people that are addicted to drugs that aren't homeless have a difficult time kicking their habit. And people that are addicted to drugs leave their mansions to go live on the streets so they can have access to the drugs. Right. So I, it, I think it doesn't, it doesn't seem like right. Cause it just seems like a big party, but it's not that at all. It's it's a way of making sure the narrative is punitive towards the population in the way to kind of also say that they've done this. So 
People deserve to be homeless. Well, I appreciate yeah. the radicalness of it only because we clearly need a radical solution. And if that is the radical solution, I'm completely for it. If, if harm reduction, if that is, if we can get a million buildings down there that do that and that fixes the problem, I'm down. But does it fix the problem? Well, the thing is, like, what? But, but. There we go. <laughs> oh, that was. <laughs> that was weird because my lips were moving and then I heard Isaac come out and I got really scared. He's inside you. Oh, but. Not again. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, God. We can unpack that. I, listen. Worst image ever. <laughs> that was the mustache, not me. Anyway, so. But the, honestly, it's, it's really, it's about training look what's right and like fixing like there is no graduation from being homeless like the people ask all the time like what like when do they move out when do they do this now we have apparatuses in place to because uh, granted once you stay once you are stabilized and you're working and you don't necessarily want to live in skid row anymore you want to get out we have all types of professionals that help you acquire your section 8 voucher to be able to apply for low-income housing throughout la county and we and that does absolutely happen but there is no graduation. The graduation is like, how can you put a timeline on a solution? And it, it's a well, because it's the problem about, itself has a timeline. So the thing is, you that's what I would challenge you to do. And that's what the most important thing anyone can ever do is show up. If you have a question about it, come down there and have your own experience. I, I would suggest not taking the Isaac approach at I three o'clock in the morning after the I bar. I mean, you know, I've written about, I've, I've spent a ton of time. Now there, I know, but Isaac, I you actually admit, done a lot of great work too. And I'm just having fun with you. because <laughs> I thought That's what we're here to do. I'm just saying after so all that sensitive. work, it's like, I can't help, but feel like the only other response, the only other radical solution <sighs> is to go in the polar opposite direction and say, no more midnight mission. No more like free stuff giveaway. Then what happens? How does that like, like, like what's the next step to that? And first of all, all this People work have that you've to take done responsibility for themselves. Let's, let's, let's catalog this work. I'm curious <laughs> of is this that, great is that work. Idealistic? That's idealistic. What is it? What is idealistic? It's more fascist. To think that people are going to, if if you remove, if you start with the stick, they're going to then take in, or at least remove the carrot, then well, they're going to start taking care of themselves. Because you're just assuming everyone's just a bum. That worked really well for Mary Antoinette as well. What's the percentage of like lazy bums that are down there? I don't know because that lazy that approach bums. might work for lazy bums. I don't think it's lazy. I don't. I don't believe it's like lazy. But I, that's I don't, what that's, that's what the, right the assumption word. is by saying that that's the solution. No, the it's word like, is it's people who are broken. It's people who are broken. It's broken people whose only solution, as you said, with alcoholism, is to get themselves out of it. So, like, not to rely on anybody. You else. would need to do a little bit more education. Anymore. I didn't. That's not at all what I said. But no. thank you I'm for just saying it was an analogy, an analogy to the alcohol. Uh, no. I, boy. Okay. Anyway, like we'll put a pin in that so. one. Uh, so, but like. I made a little Charles, joke there, but you didn't help me what? at all, Charles. I'm not going like, to help you. Totally Charles has got to be out I'm in the not, public. I'm not right wing about this shit at all. I'm, I'm very. So first of all, guys, I mean, it's I'm, not a right like wing, a left socialist wing solution. It's, like, if, hold if, on, if you, get you guys have gone to the zoo without me. <laughs> okay. It's not a right wing or left wing. This isn't a bipartisan issue. Now, yeah. like what we're talking about too is that you're like, for example, with a mental illness, like. One of the things I know like is used often in like on TV shows and just very high level surface is going like you can't be crazy if you th if you are able to say I'm crazy. You know what I mean? For example, or like you want to talk about like like Hitler didn't wake up every morning going, Holy shit, I'm a fucking evil son of a bitch. He woke up every morning with the belief structure that he was doing a great wow. thing. So like using that analogy, Jeffrey Dahmer didn't 
Uh, he probably knew. Yeah, maybe. All right. So like, let's go, let's go. <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer, like for example, like are these people like, you know, he loved greatly all these all his victims, and like why he consumed those because he wanted to have them a part of him, and like Whoa. so the thing about this is like mental illness is. I don't want to say crazy. That's really, that'd, be, that'd be a little bit. Right. Is very compl- complicated, and very and so you cannot assume that you understand what's going through the mind of someone suffering any amount of mental illness, from narcissism to a psychotic break. You are applying sound logic to that to a world that you're not even getting access to. Um, I recently had an experience dealing with someone with borderline disorder, and for that. It was very difficult. What is that again? That's a, I'm actually dealing also with somebody with that. It's Borderline, like manipulative, super manipulative. It's a person. Well, no, it's it's not that. That's a way that we can say it that would make sense to us and we can relate to it. But what actually, a better way of thinking about it is someone who lives in a very scary world where everything is bad and the equivalent of them admitting to that they're wrong oh, right. they can't would be, wrong. Would be yeah, the yeah, equivalent yeah. of you or I putting a hot needle in our eye. So how can I play at those stakes? How do I communicate effectively with someone who's not even having the same conversation? So understanding that, so that's where like, I don't understand what you mean by fix. What we need to do is we need to really look at what is going on, what's right with the picture, what's working, give that the resources it needs, and then also do a deep dive into this data that we've collected so we can understand how we got here in the first place. Yeah, I, and look, I again, I, I think that that sounds great. I think that sounds like a really good starting point. I guess my larger, my larger concern is that, look, we have, and I, I'm, I don't want to turn this into a liberal uh, conservative issue, but we have a liberal supermajority in uh, the... City Hall, right? Oh God! <laughs> and the way that you're talking now is, is can you there, tell? There's can you, so much. Empathy. Can you unpack that for me? There's so much empathy in in what you're saying, right? And I think that that's great. And I think again, when people are truly Isaac's holding in need, my hand right now. I, I, when people are truly in need, <laughs> I think that they do deserve for society to give them a, a boost up. And if the answer to that is building a bunch of apartments in in Skid Row and letting people live there while they're figuring their shit out for free and not. Doing the what, harm reduction what, thing? I, hold on, hold on. Doing the harm reduction uh, thing? If that's the answer to that, then I'm all for it. However, when I look at the problem down however, there, when I, see, <laughs> when I see the people down there, again, we talked about this. It seems like there is a class of people in Skid Row that is badly, poorly intentioned. And whether or not that's some sort of subconscious thing they have going on or they've just totally given up, I don't feel like with that group of people, the carrot, it doesn't work. Because all you're doing is so let's the talk wrong ab- people are getting the the, okay. the resources. I think I have an answer to this, and I, maybe I would like to know what these people, where these people are, because I'm in there every day, and I have not seen those people that you're talking about. And maybe this is the way that you, of course, like what when we try to look at something as big and scary and complex as what's going on with the homeless population. Well, when you get off the oh, you see you would you see just garbage as far as the eye so can like, see. I mean, that's so like I told you, there's 72 trash cans all Skid Row. So if we double the amount of trash cans. What's going to happen? It would dramatically change the appearance and aesthetic of that, well, that neighborhood. Sounds like a good solution, right? And it would cost about twelve thousand dollars to do. Why hasn't it happened? Why hasn't? That's a good, that's question. A good fucking question, Isaac. Why hasn't it happened? I don't know. I have no clue. So. Not from a lack of us trying. So understand if the narrative continues out that the trash is there, that it's this antisocial behavior. So that talk about like agenda, talk about, you know, liberal or conservative ideals. Like 
there's so many people, great, dedicated people doing hard work every day. And you're right. Their stories aren't out there. But what stories do you hear? You hear the trash. You hear about the guy that shat in front of your apartment. You hear about all these other things that keeps the punitive narrative going in, in the forefront. And that makes the job that we're trying to do much harder because I'm talking with people that are people. I have, we have a resident at the star who the other day told me that he played a set with Tom Waits when he was in New Orleans. And I like clear my calendar. I want to know everything about this. I met incredible, talented, amazing people. And when you start looking at the people and not the problem, the idea of like, what can I possibly do becomes a much easier answer to <coughs> question to answer. Cause like during the giant pandemic, what can Isaac do? I don't know. But Isaac could show up and do something for about three people I know. For a few number. Yeah, it's and, emotionally satisfying to think that you can just stick people, right? It's more satisfying. Yeah, if you want to hit people, we can. This is Hollywood. We can find that why for is, you. Why is that uh, so emotionally here's, satisfying? Here's, why would that be more emotionally? So, satisfying? like, here's what I, I think I understand because it feels because you want them to deserve. The, the negative treatment. It's right, easier right. if it's like this is their fault. No. This is no. I think there's something to that. I will no, keep actually. Going, gonna go, oh, keep I'm going. I'm going to go on defending him Ooh, for a quick second here. I think well. what he's looking at is going like this is what would motivate Isaac. Uh. And so Isaac would be motivated by the fact of a of a punitive action that would loom over him would get him off his ass to go do certain things. Yeah, to some. Yeah, I do. So think, I that, think that, that's, that's fucking true. That's. I think you need both. You need. So you need hold both. It has to be both. On, and we've gone too extreme. So you actually are proving my point. Because we're making it about the people. So here's the thing is like when you have someone that comes into a building and you have a caseworker that's working with an individual and they can see like this might work with them or this might work with that person, you can pivot and cater the sticking carrot analogy so it better so it better it's more effective with the individual. For example, there's a great we've brought in this great organization called Life Uncommon, and they are rooted and they said so they started around substance abuse, but they're rooted around this great kind of um from uh, it's it's uh, Tim Roth from Gallup and about strength finders and so what this is is a basic assessment but what it does is, is instead of like other assessments when you're taking like a Myers Briggs but you need to work on this and this and this it, it basically shows you what your top five strengths are I did strength finders so it's about and so we're now utilizing that kind of going instead of kind of going here's what we think is wrong with you we immediately during the intake say this is what's amazing this is what's good about you and then we tailor their program yeah. of their services around what's their strengths. So it's the same thing. Like for, when you go to the gym, I mean, yeah. you, you go to the gym. I don't, I, I don't, Ooh. I don't know. Ooh. Um, oh, that was, I was, <laughs> the scoreboard's still way in your favor, pal. So, but um, when you first go to the gym, it sucks. Cause you know what I mean? Weights are heavy. Everyone looks better than you. And yeah. why would I possibly like this? This is not fun, but if you continually do it, you see, results and those results then become your motivation to come back so that may and then be a when different you... psychologically like for me i actually feel completely different when i go to the gym i feel better when i'm getting my ass kicked like when people are better than me like well it's, no you know the, what i mean first of all like i think you're using like a squash analogy like or a competitive sport and that's great you always want to play with someone better right you know because that's going to up your game but this is a different thing we're talking about ba just basic results and having something like you're coming from, a, especially with like strengths, talk about people with a punitive self narrative. Yeah. Right. They've not said, not only like, are you saying bad things about them? Imagine what they're saying about themselves or Isaac, let me ask you this question. 
Would you let someone on the street talk to you the way you talk to yourself in your own head? Yeah, no, sure. So why, So think about that on the, the personal level with you, then why do you get a pass? And think about what that negative narrative about you saying to yourself keeps you on the bench from actually participating in. Hmm. It's, I, I think, again, like I see what you're saying, and I'm, I'm coming at it just from kind of the opposite psychology. So there's a, there's a program can I, out there. You should, can, yes. I, can I ask yes. a question please, about please. Uh, people that, that live in your buildings? What is the process for how they yeah, get uh, chosen? How much, how much time are we at? We're at about an hour. Okay. Um, well, that's, that's great. And then the, the, this is where the, the whole your carrot and the stick analogy or for free falls apart okay because again think about we have as i said 28 soon to be 29 properties which which averages out to about a building a year which is huge in our portfolio but and we've housed 1800 formerly homeless that's a great number put up to sixty thousand. what's it looks like a drop in a bucket right yeah so we had to pull our resources. And also, interestingly enough, like in Los Angeles, the work that we do is privatized. So there's other great organizations that are working, but there are also private organizations. And we, so when this funding comes in, we also have to compete for it, which also kind of puts a little bit of a, makes our jobs more difficult. And then also adds another layer of barrier that we have to get over internally before we can start even helping externally. Does that make sense? Yeah. So coordinated entry system is something that it's fantastic. It's the best that we got. And what's really great about this system is that it's continuously going under analysis. Coordinated entry is how you choose. So for example, you start at a, um, either through LASA or Weingart, something called a spa service providing area where you can go in and have an assessment. So for example, <laughs> it's called a spa service providing area. <laughs> Sorry, it's just like too, too. It's like you're an idiot. Yeah. Okay. No, keep going. Keep going. No, I'm interested. I'm interested. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so people you, just getting back massage. Oh, yeah. 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 Right. It is a spa we just, up in there. So you go to the spa. So, <laughs> you're such a fucking dick. Um, and you are assessed, and basically they, they come a certain type of acuity. For example, like one of our more recent buildings, the Six, which is an amazing building. It's like I'm a veteran. I'm homeless. I suffer from mental illness and substance abuse. You're a perfect candidate for that building. And usually when you would get that acuity number, like that means we've broken ground on it. And then it goes through a process where you have to go and check in. And it takes about eight months to a year from the beginning of the process to getting housed. Holy crap. So the people that are housed have shown up and worked their asses off to get in there. So that is a stick. That is a stick. So it's uh, not a stick. It's it's, well, account- it's difficult. It's We're building a culture yeah. of accountability. Right, and right. and also how do I be Sounds fair? Like a carrot to me. How do I how do you possibly be fair to the sixty thousand, the magnitude numbers, if someone doesn't starts the process then falls off, their next spot has I mean, it sounds cruel, but like there's sixty thousand people. Yeah. So that person then will have to start the process all over again. And like also they come in, they check in. When the property's done, there's a grand opening, for example, for our new buildings, but people, our residents have usually been in those buildings for close to a year, stabilizing before we let anyone come in and see. So them. why so long? Huh? Why is it, so, why is it eight months? Just The wait period to... We have to build buildings. Because it's a waiting. It's like you need to wait that long to get a spot. Yes. Yeah, okay. To, to build a new building, to, to basically 
go through the process. Yeah, yeah. And you might also, just so you know, like going through this coordinated entry system, you might not be a candidate for a Skid Row Housing Trust building. At and you all. might go to a different building. You right, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And like, that's where I think a lot of us, and we are getting much better at this, especially with the new, you know, the, the, these great measures that we've passed is that we're coming together a lot more and understanding, especially because the pressure now where people weren't looking at the homeless now with, as Garcetti moves towards the Olympics being downtown yeah, again, got to do something, all this amazing development downtown. Like there's a lot more eyes on us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, and then of course people who don't know the full narrative of how long and how hard we've been fighting this fight. Well, first thing, the first reaction is going to be a very Isaac reaction. Like what the fuck? And then, yeah. but no one's going to take the time to sit down. That's why showing up is so important. Ask. You have every right to say, what's the fuck? But come down and talk to people that are in the fight so they can tell you this is what's going on. This is how far we've actually come. This is the great work that we have done. Yeah. And this is how we're moving this ball forward. And hopefully, within the next five to 10 years, by the time the Olympics come, so hopefully, you will not recognize Skid Row as it exists today. Right. Well, that's what we're doing here on the podcast today is Can, asking the real question. I have some listener questions oh, that were submitted. Oh, we got to hit these. Are you, are you interested in this? Is these? this live? No. no. Okay. No. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> We'd be in a lot of trouble if we did a live show. Yeah. We have these people that keep asking us to do a YouTube show, and I'm like, that would be a terrible nightmare because we edit a lot of things out. Brad, if these are stupid questions, just... There are no such things. Uh, we'll see. Uh, somebody wanted to know about the impact of spice, which is, I guess, some From sort Dune? of Skid Road related drug. Spice? Uh, you mean like bath salts? I don't know. This they Can just someone, said, what's going on with spice in I Skid say, Row? I say honestly, go ask Moadib, and then also yeah. kind of get caught back up onto something more current. Do they they allow you to fold? Space, uh, space and time, time. Yeah. yeah, the spices, the navigators, they turn into giant. They mean gross at the spot. Monsters. We've gotten nice, we've gotten nice rid nice of spice. all of our giant worms, the the sand dune oh, worms. So like it's it's good. The it's spice good. must flow, though, Brad. The, the, the spice will flow. <laughs> the spice will flow. So uh, sorry, listener, who asked about spice. Uh, the next one is what is there any significant nimbyism around uh, any of your your building properties? Do you have that problem? So, like again, let's talk about what NIMBY stands for. It means not in my backyard. Right. And to, to, to qualify that more is like if you go talk to anyone, well, most anyone, and say like, "Are you against homelessness?" Of course, I'm against homelessness. That's a horrible, horrible thing. Great. I'm going to take Brooks and Scott, this amazing architect. We're going to build this beautiful building for our veterans. But it's going to be in your neighborhood. Whoa, wait. Yeah, wait a second. Whoa, whoa. Hey, that's my kid's <laughs> school. That's where I live. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Let's, let's keep that. Let's get, let's get row. Like, that, it's working. I keep it there. Yeah. Um, so, like, we have done a lot of that, but, you know, we're running out of room. Right. So, we have to grow. So, that's the answer to the question is, like, that's one of the ways we combat it is that we work with the top architects that come in and we make beautiful buildings and we make them that any neighborhood would be proud to have them in them. And it makes it much harder for you to sit there and go, uh, not, no, no, not by my school. And then also the reality too is like, sometimes we've opened our buildings and we don't publicize it for a year. And then the rest of the community is going to go like, Oh, we've been living next to homeless people this entire time. Mm. And then, yeah, we have a great building. It's located right next to the Regent theater on uh, main street downtown, which is a great live music venue. And in it's called it's called the New Genesis, and it was one of the first buildings that we did where it was mixed use. So we have actually market rate artist lofts. So if you're an artist in downtown, 
You could live in one of these really beautiful artist lofts right next to the Regent Theater. And also people that are living there or are formerly homeless or suffering from mental illness. And they're coexisting. Yeah. Not a problem. No poor doors. Mm-hmm. As New York likes to install in their mixed-use buildings. What's that? That's where we've talked about this in certain New York apartment buildings that are quote-unquote mixed-use, and they make all the low-income people go into a different door than the oh, rest yeah. of the... Uh, and, and then also, like that's not unheard of. Like A lot of the, also the developing fees and ways that we raise money for our buildings, this is something that's been going on across the globe is like for example in london it's usually customary that the bottom like eight floors are for a more uh for low-income housing and as you go higher in the tower it becomes more market rate and the market rate subsidizes the low-income housing because there's just not enough real estate for example in england anymore to it's too dense of a population right so we can't do that in los angeles for example like the new brentwood towers we did the first eight floors is low-income housing that would be a big problem so like you know like it's chun- it's funneling that money so we can do real good with it and I think the best way we're going to face that is we have to change the brand of Skid Row so people understand that it's not a like a sh- like a rundown rat trap box that we're going to put in your neighborhood we're going to put a state of the art lead certified platinum building with highly trained professionals on staff there that are going to affect real change and good with people on a day-to-day basis and it's a building that you're going to want in your neighborhood be proud that's there. It's a living solution. It's a beacon of what we're what's right in the picture and what we can do yeah. instead of what we can't. And I remember I just moved out of Koreatown and all my neighbors were freaking out about whatever uh, yeah. b- building is, is going up like near the Denny's. Yeah, there's some it? proposed building in Koreatown yeah. fighting. My neighbors are nimbying like crazy. Uh, somebody wanted to know about the relationship with the police in Central Division. They've heard that it is difficult to get police to respond uh, to calls depending on the that's, place they called. I can't say that that's absolutely untrue. And now with any department, there's good and bad stories. Yeah. But for the most part, my relationship with, with LAPD and working with them, they have been great collaborators and partners. And they are more and they so desperately want to show you who they are more than what they have to do. Now, when certain situations become like their job requires them to come in and do, or if they're given a mandate by whatever higher up that they have to go do it, they, they have to go do it. I see I make more of like Intel and I've seen so many wonderful police officers that have great relationships with the people that are currently homeless or now experiencing housing that they check up and they, and they do really a lot more right with the picture than wrong. Mm. But there are some other things going on and it's not the thing to keep in mind is that it's not just a skid row issue. You're going to find these same sorts of elements and criminal elements and, and things going on in any major city, but because it's happening in skid row, it adds more to that narrative, and then it's part of like why it's happening to begin with. And they talk about, for example, like I'm so glad that you said it wasn't dangerous in Skid Row when you walked out. The reality is, if you look at any urban planning or any studies done, the more eyes you have on you, the safer you are. You have more of a chance of being mugged in the Beverly Center Definitely. parking lot. I agree with that. Than you do walking 100%. through Skid Row. Hundred percent. I've I've I used to bike. I used to work at the Ace and live on the other side of Skid Row. I used to bike through there at two thirty in the morning all I the time. I knew you during that period. And I I never had one 
I literally never even got yelled at. Like nothing. I never. There was never. And any here's problem. another thing about. Yeah, like, I got marked in Miracle Mile. Yeah. Far well, away. here's yeah. no. I, the bad shit doesn't happen. So in let's talk Skid Row. There's just so many people. Somebody wanted to know about if uh, li- uh, lifting regulation. Uh, on development such as uh, the California Environmental Quality Act would actually be helpful for building more spaces for homeless people? That is a great question and absolutely yes. Okay. Hmm. What would that look like? What What are the impediments currently in place? That's a very long conversation to get into and we can absolutely do it. But what that is is just another roadblock and it's a way to also thinking away the power of narrative to use something that everyone's going to be for environmental use, anything else. But what it actually is creating is our inability to acquire properties and develop on them. Mm. So it's, it's great marketing. It's great. It's great. It's great spin. But what it actually is doing is like the, if you look at a true kind of analysis of the, of the cost or negative effects that's happening by renovating these buildings and using them for the purposes that we want to use them for, especially when they're now being like, you're telling me I can't put a lead certified building because of an environmental act, right? Where? Wait a second. Why? That doesn't make sense to me. Why? And then it, it's the follow-up to those questions that always gets very murky, and like we don't get the good answers on. But the long and short of it is absolutely, absolutely. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Last uh, one. Last one is how, uh, in light of Prop Triple H, uh, is passed. Uh, in 2016, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how is that been positive? Uh, wh- how is that affecting the? So wait, let's talk. What uh, Triple H was a small tax. Was a very popular wrestler on. Oh, sorry. Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Helmsley? Anyway, uh, it's a it was a tax, a small tax that they a property tax, a small property tax. Oh, it's a property tax. Yeah. Okay, I'm mixing it up then. Right. No. I thought it's just a small income tax or something that you it's a that tax pay that is, that's going to help homeless. So, so measure H and prop HHH, prop HHH, and is, preparation H also. I hate him so much. We <laughs> <laughs> should have had Eric Escobar here. He really would have yeah. made Brad's life yeah. a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> next time, Brad and Eric Escobar just put it in. We got to do that next time. <laughs> Eric Escobar uh, just refuses to talk about anything serious. Yeah, so it's please proceed, funny. Brad. Sorry. Um, one brings uh, funding so we can build more housing mm-hmm. and the other is to bring in more funds so we can hire more professionals for the buildings. Okay. So, oh. and it's just an overall tax. And so like it, these things are, are great. Um, but as I said earlier, like understanding, like just because you voted on it doesn't mean the change comes immediately. Right. Like right. It's, the it's, money's it's, being collected. It's, yeah. you know what I mean? Right now, if we took all the kitty we could possibly build one building, but that's not the goal. It's like, this is something that we will be highly effective in the next 10 years as it accumulates. And then we also streamline the best practices of how to distribute it and how to make sure that it's, you know, not only the organizations that the money is going to are being held very accountable to the change and the things that they say they're going to use the money with, but also that the officials are making sure the money is flowing to the right organizations and happening. So there's work to be done. It's a definite step in the right direction, but don't. It's not a magic wand, yeah, or a magic stick. I think my favorite headline about Prop HHH was like Prop HHH passed in 2016. So why are there still tents on the on the sidewalk? Right, because that person's an idiot. <laughs> right, probably didn't even go into effect until right, like recently. Yeah. All right. Um, 
Brad, how can people support uh, the Skid Row Housing Trust? What is the best way to uh, to get them involved? Well, um, I would say there's we have a really robust and, and the team at the trust is amazing. And if you go visit our website from volunteer opportunities to donation opportunities to our welcome home kits, which are fantastic, meaning like we get organizations together and for someone that's transitioning in and out of homelessness, they might not have the basic things that we go run out to target to get when we're moving into a new place. Yeah. We put those all together in a kit for them and you get to put a personal note of encouragement. You're in touch and that's hand delivered to um, a person as they are moving into their new place. It's it's really a pretty special thing. But from that, or come take a yoga class with our residents. Come, there's a Thursday jam session where we all play music. Like for me, that's always the best way to get involved because you can come in and check something off your list. Yeah. Great. If you come in and make a friend, that's brand buy-in you can't generate. And like that's something that where it's going to be, you're going to talk about it in your community. You're going to go out and it's going to become part of like who you are like um an easy way to put that is like my ex-wife was an architect interior designer before i met her i couldn't point on an eames chair in a lineup i just knew i like like restoration hardware you know yeah. but i got turned on to design and those things and it became part of my culture and then i started seeking it out in my world the same thing with solution once you get turned on to the solution you just seek it out and it becomes much easier in that access point to jump in and the best way to do that is to have a friend to to be to hear the story to in a way of personalizing it where it isn't trying to find out what's so different from that person so it ensures that you'll never be homeless find out what's alike with that person and then understand that that doesn't mean you're going to be homeless it doesn't have to be about you but you can find that common ground and do real change and real good work and people can check out your website at skidrow.org correct <laughs> Why Is that really all you're asking? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go to www.skidrow.com. No, I, I wanted all that information. No, I know, I, just... I know, I know. No, it's quite cool to I know about the uh, the jam sessions. That's interesting. It's great. No, we we do I'm concerts called Trust and Sound. We have a trust. <laughs> we do a lot of work in the music industry. We do uh, yeah. a, a concert series called Trust and Sound. Where the, we have a gala coming up that's around that, and um, cool. we. It, Music, arts, we do uh, from everything from we had a Skid Row Denim and Apparel line that went out there, which is a way to kind of like bring awareness out, or workforce initiatives. The, the thing about what I'm really excited about, the work that I'm a part of that we do at the Trust, is that it does, it's not about going and volunteering or thinking about like working at a soup kitchen, which is great. Everyone should absolutely do this. It's about like, let me show you how fun and rewarding this is going to be for you. Isaac or the person coming. And then that is going to be the groundswell that we need to push this solution forward and effectual change. 